Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 17 It is night. In the gloom, the hills are nothing but humped ranges of shadow. Between the slopes, the shadows thicken and all is dark. But high on the peaks burn lonely fires, brief and distant and seldom. Hill forts, like the ones built by the ancient Britons before the Romans came, where small tribes sheltered and petty kings ruled, isolated settlements dotted across the landscape, each fire an enclosed little life huddling against the dark. And each hill is nothing but a tangle of wire, each fire is thronged by ghosts, and the whole landscape is nothing but a forgotten drawer at the bottom of an old writing desk in the living room of Mr. Benedict Nail. And here comes Mr. Nail now, being marched up the side of one of the hills. Ahead of him, up a devious and twisting path, scampers the Scotty dog from a game of Monopoly, while at his side the black, gnomic figure from a big biro packet ushers him along. Behind them teeter a featureless plastic cone from a long-forgotten board game and a lumpen eraser that might once have been meant to be a dinosaur. He is ushered up onto the brow of the hill through a gate made of toothpicks and finds himself in a wide, flat space, encircled by high ramparts of knotted cable. Ahead of them is the folded pyramid of a place card from some distant, dreadful dinner party. The light is coming from under the card, which has evidently been repurposed as some kind of long hall. As he is ushered towards it, Benedict Nail can hear the sound of carousing from inside. His days of dreadful dinner parties are obviously far from distant. The rubber Triceratops butts into Benedict from behind, poking him in the back with his bendy horns, and he stumbles forward in under the folded card. Inside, the world is a confusing frenzy of whirling shadows and flickering light. Benedict is vaguely aware of strange figures capering around him as he is pushed down the length of the hall. At the far end is a low dais of a casino chip laid on its side, and on it sits a gnarled, indistinct figure. Behind it, ghastly shadows leap up and down the sloping walls of the place card, because before it stands the mournful figure of a hula girl, broken off the end of a swizzle stick, her whole translucent green plastic body bathed in a dancing, lurid light. She is singing a broken song in some language Benedict doesn't recognise. As he approaches, she falters and sags with exhaustion, but out of the twitching shadows steps a headless Lego minifig of a clown. The clown jabs at the cocktail girl with a rusty pin, and she jerks upright and starts singing again. Benedict is ushered past her and in front of the figure on the gambling chip. Close to, he suddenly realises what the figure is. A little plastic figurine of a goblin from his childhood games of Dungeons and Dragons. He had never really played it much. A game that no one wins is not Benedict Nail's idea of entertainment. He never had the patience or indeed the skill to paint his figurines either and the creature is a blotchy, hideous mess, its blurry features fugitive in the hectic light of the burning singer. What is this brought before your king? The goblin shuffles forward to peer at Benedict. What manner of ghost? Who haunts this thing? 
Alone we found him out by the wall. The big man steps forward. So brought him here to amuse the hall. What tribe is he? Who is his king? The goblin's voice is grating and gleeful. What prize is he? What stories bring? Tell your tribe, your kith, your king, says the big man, poking Benedict with his pen. Tell your story, you wandering thing. You can cut that out for a start, says Benedict, trying to push the big man away. I don't know what you're talking about, which is getting less surprising at this stage. And what do you mean, thing? Look, I, I just came in here to look for the witch. Do, do you know the witch? From outside the drawer, says the big man. From out beyond the wall, quite all alone, no tribe or lord at all. But now, inside, within the drawer, the fort, says the goblin with relish, within the hall where I am a lord. Where you are lord, says the big man solemnly. And so to our Lord's glory, speak thing from outside and tell your story. Now, hang on a minute, says Benedict. I, I know how this works now. I tell you a story and I forget it. I'm not going to do that again. Speak now, says the big man. We'll say when you're done, come forward, guard, loosen his tongue. The Lego clown lunges forward and stabs Benedict in the arm with his pin. Ow! Benedict flinches away. All right, all right. The truth is, there isn't much more that Benedict can remember. He told all his stories to Cardiman and his monks. All he can bring to mind now is what's staring him in the face with his little beady eyes. Well, I remember the Christmas you arrived, for instance, he says to the goblin. The goblin figure, I mean. The memory of childhood Christmases he can always do without. I must have been eleven, or twelve, possibly, Early 80s, anyway, when Dungeons & Dragons was, was first all the rage, you know, when it, when it first came out. You know, Dungeons & Dragons, people pretending to be ancient warriors in some magical Middle Ages, all castles and monsters and ludicrous fantasy. Benedict looks around the shadowy mead hall, thronged about with ghastly figures, all presided over by a goblin king. Yes, well, um, he says. Anyway, uh, everyone was playing it at school, so I wanted to play it as well. So I asked for a set for Christmas, and I got it, too. As Benedict speaks, blue flames begin to dance about the head of the goblin and course across the card walls of the hall, making lurid shadows leap and twitch. It's quite amusing, really, he says with a little laugh, because in those days you, 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 you couldn't just order things online, of course, so my parents would, would have had to go to some weird little hobby shop uh, there weren't many of them, uh, and queue with all the hippies and shut-ins. Uh, they must have hated it. They must have loved me. <laughs> anyway, he pulls himself back to the story. I got the set for Christmas, opened it, uh, but then I discovered the problem. You can't play Dungeons & Dragons on your own. Um, but my father won't play it with me, of course, because it's a children's game and an idiotic one at that. And the thought of explaining the rules to my mother is uh, unbearable not least because I don't yet understand them myself. Now, of course, my younger brother wants to play with me, but I would rather burn all my Christmas presents right there and then than play with him. So there I am with a Christmas present I can't play with, sat all day trying to read the rules that make no sense. 
and no one has any fun and everyone is upset. The traditional family Christmas. The crowd, awash with licking blue flames, are staring at him. He is the owner. This is his drawer, says the big man with an air of wonder. He knows what all these things we are, are for. He knows the histories of these things he's storing, says the Goblin King with a dismissive shake of the head. But all these tales, like the things it seems, are boring. You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Mellington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of the Ghosts of Christmas Presents. (laughs) 